Good evening and a greeting to each one of you this evening in Jesus' name. The one who loved us, the one who washed us from our sins in his own blood, the one who promised that he will build his church, the one who gave himself for us to redeem us to God. It's a blessing to have been here already this evening. We want to thank you for coming. Thank you for showing your support. Thank you for participation in singing. Many rich words have been already been sung together. Many commitments have been made, and would to God that we would live that out We're here this evening for an ordination. We have been um, blessed by God here in this church with four brothers who have submitted themselves to the call if God were to call them. And so we're blessed by that. For an order of the service, uh, our plans, uh, what we've want to do this evening is Brother Leroy. He's a pastor here. He's planning to have devotions and then we will have the ordination. And then after that, we'll um, have Brother Arlen Kurtz from Pleasant View preach to us. Um, it's pretty much the order of the service. Before we begin, I think it'd be appropriate to stand for prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your wonderful works to the children of men. Thank you that you have redeemed us to yourself by the precious blood of Jesus, that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. You have made us a holy nation and a peculiar people and a chosen generation, and you want us to show forth your praises who has called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you for Jesus and what he has done for us. Thank you that he has promised that he will build his church. Thank you that we can participate in that. Thank you that this is an eternal work. This is an eternal project. You had this in mind from since before the foundation of the world. And we're humbled to participate in it, to be a witness of it. And Father, we just ask that you would make every one of us a vessel as you see fit and place us in your kingdom as you wish. We want to subject ourselves to your will for our lives tonight. And we look forward to your calling one of these brothers to the office of a minister. Pray that you would bless that brother as he fills that role. And all of us together, the role and the function wherever you have placed us. Father, make all of us together 
willing servants, knowing that we are indebted to you for our very life and breath. We are indebted to you for the hope that we have of eternal life. We ask your presence with us this evening, and we thank you that we can be assured that you have led us to this point, and you will lead us from here, and you are with us tonight. Pray that you bless the preaching of the word. Help us to have our ears ready to receive it, and that it would bring forth fruit to whatever extent that you have in mind for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Greetings to each one in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Thankful to be here this evening and thankful for each of your presence as well. And I want to think and believe that your presence here uh, is a reflection of your interest in the Church of Jesus Christ and what's happening. I know there's family here and... Um, and that's appropriate, and it's always good to have family support, but uh, greater than that should be our interest in the work of the Church of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm uh, inspired, enthused, delighted for this evening, for this time has come. Uh, we first discussed an ordination back in the spring, I believe it was, and of course I had been thinking about it long before that because of my own desire to be released from the pastoral team here. But it seemed like a long time coming, but here we are. And that's the way time is. Time passes. But... Uh, we're, we're here because we're, we're looking forward to something this evening. It's a time of anticipation. We're looking and we're expecting something from God. God will give us if he tarries and God will give us a gift. Another brother called to the work of the ministry here. That gets something that should be a, a high on our list as we think of the work of the church of Jesus Christ is calling men. To the work of the ministry serving the church. As we look to the Word of God this evening, I call your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'll be reading not all of the scripture there, not all of that chapter, but I'll be reading a number of verses and uh, like to highlight few points there. 1 Samuel chapter 10. The setting here is where Saul was anointed king over Israel. Looking at verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 10. 
Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head, speaking of Saul, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? I'm going to uh, drop down to uh, verse 6. Samuel, in the uh, verses following here, between verse 1 and verse 6, Samuel gave Saul some instruction and said what would happen, so forth. Now, breaking in here at verse 6, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord, this is Samuel, what Samuel is telling Saul, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, referring to the group of prophets that were, we read about in verse 5. And thou shalt be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are coming to thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt, sac burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass. Speaking of Saul, God gave him another heart. Now, going to verse 17. And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah, and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all kingdoms and of them that oppress you. And you have this day rejected your God who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations and you have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord Father if the man should come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. I'd just like to notice several things in this chapter. Not going to... Not going to exposit on, certainly on the whole chapter. So here we have Saul being anointed king. 
And uh, find this a very interesting account, a uh, sparing account, how God worked and how God revealed his will. So we see in verse 1, Samuel anointing Saul king. And uh, God had chosen the man, and he had revealed it to Samuel, and he also revealed it to Saul. Very obvious. You didn't anoint someone unless you anointed him. Well, you, there was other reasons, but specifically this, uh, this order here, the prophet coming to anoint Saul, you didn't do that unless there was, yeah, you anointed, that's what you did to kings. I don't know whether Saul understood what happened or what was happening. He probably didn't, probably had a lot of questions, I expect. But nevertheless, it was probably a time when God was really working, began to work in Saul's heart. So, as we look at verse 6, Samuel told Saul, he said, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy, and shall be turned into an other man. Find that very interesting and very, uh, yeah, very inspiring. And then uh, in verse 9, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, this is speaking of Saul, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. I'm not, I don't know, we don't know, was it all these changes taking place, things were making sense to Saul, and he began to understand, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be king. I don't know. But I think for us, even here at Shade Mountain, we have, we have talked and prayed and counseled about this ordination for quite a while. And uh, I believe simply that God was surely working in our hearts through this, working in the hearts of the brethren. This ordination this evening is not a surprise. It's not just something we have suddenly decided on. Now, so Samuel, obviously God had chosen. Samuel knew, I think Saul surely probably knew by now what was happening. But there still needed to be another way where there was a revelation to the people. And we see that in verse 17. It says, Samuel called the people together at Mizpah. Was it something like we have here this evening? Probably, we know there's a lot more people. But the principle, the point is, call the people together to further reveal the Lord's will. I think that's what we have here this evening. And uh, the fact that we have four brothers is, you know, we have, we have came as far as we can as man. Now it's up to God to make the final revelation. I'm not sure how they did as we, the, uh, as the, uh, the people were called together there at Mizpah. Uh, I expect it probably may have been by lot because uh, it tells us here in verse 20 and 21, 
Samu had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near. The tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken and Saul the son of Kish was taken. So I'm not sure what the procedure was that they used there, but it, it appears they probably uh, used a lot. I find it interesting Samuel had anointed Saul king. It would seem like Samuel could have just said, here he is. Uh, I've anointed him. God sent me to anoint him, and I've anointed him. But it seemed there was a... a uh, proper way or a way that God wanted them to reveal this. And so we see that. The point I really wanted to highlight, or the verse I really wanted to highlight is in verse 26. This was after the revelation had, uh, it had been revealed there and Saul had been proclaimed king. This was after that. Verse 26, it says, And Saul also went home to Gibeah. There went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. And I love that phrase. I've loved that for many years. Um, what was it here? A band of men whose hearts God had touched. A couple of things I want us to realize that we too, as a group of people, the church at Shade Mountain through this ordination, but all of us together here this evening, we too, not only need, but we must have the touch of God in our life. It's a must for the people of God. And uh, not only initially as we come to God, but it needs to be a continual touch. God needs to continue to be touching our lives. So he can direct our footsteps, can direct us in the pathway that, that we should go. I believe God has been doing that. I believe he is doing that this evening. And this evening in the ordination here, one of you brothers are going to be touched in a special way. Now, I'm not insinuating it's going to make you special before above anyone else here. But it is going to be a special touch from God. It is something that I believe that God is very concerned about. We also need to be concerned about. God will touch. God has touched us. I trust that we are here this evening as a band of men whose hearts God has touched. If not, you know, our labors in this ordination is in vain. Thought about the fact that to the majority of the world, it matters little, and they could probably care less what happens here at Shade Mountain. But we do. We care. We, I believe, we can say, through the word of God and by the scriptures, that God has touched our heart, and he will continue to do so. And also... <clears throat> Just another aspect of the heart being touched. Usually, in an ordination, hearts are pretty soft. The hearts are touched. We're touched by how God moves and um, how he'll touch a, some, some brother. 
and his family and raise them up for the work here. And I think that's the way it should be. And I think it's such a beautiful picture here in verse 26 where Saul went to, home, went to his home, but it says there followed him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Oh, we, we need that touch so much in our life, throughout our life, and whatever we do. And uh, as a church here at Shade Mountain, we sense that touch in our life. I believe I can say that. We sense that touch in our life. As we moved ahead and as we planned for an ordination, we felt by the touch of God that the timing was right, that God wanted us to call and ordain another brother from our midst. And I'm so blessed by that. You notice the last verse there. We read about another group of men whose hearts were not touched. But you notice what it says about them. It says they were sons of Belial. See, that's the difference. And I'm not suggesting that anyone that's not part of this gathering here this evening is a son of Belial. I'm not saying that. But if you don't have the touch of God in your life and in your work and in your church and in your life, then whose touch do you have? Ask yourself whose touch do you have? So, I find this account a real blessing here. I know things were as they were. First of all, we want God. We're not, we're not uh, rejecting God in this ordination. Not at all. Not like it happened here. Not like it says here. Samuel told the people, you've rejected God. But God's giving you a king. We can do that. People can do that. But you'll lose a blessing. And you're putting yourself on very dangerous ground. So, I am blessed this evening as I think of us here at Shade Mountain and all of you here together this evening as individuals, as a band of men whose hearts God had touched. And let's never lose that touch, whether it's an ordination or whatever. All right, one more thing. The last point I'd like to think about, not in this chapter, but I'd just like to say that I have been involved, been a part, witnessed a number of ordinations over the last 35 years, 30 years since I was first ordained. 35 years ago, my wife and I we're setting where you brothers are this evening. But uh, this ordination to me this evening is, is special. It's All the ordinations were special, but this is special to me this evening in a way because, to me, personally, it's also the passing of the mantle. And I take that from uh, 1 Kings. 1 Kings... Uh, 19. And that's the account there. It uses that expression there when Elijah was coming to the end of his ministry there. And uh, we'll just think about that a little bit. We'll have to turn to that by way of memory. But you know, Elijah had 
God had worked through Elijah and he done and, and performed this great miracle there at Mount Carmel. And, uh, you know, it was really something what happened there at Mount Carmel. And always love to <clears throat> read that account. But um, after that miracle, you know, when word came to Jezebel, Ahab's wife, she said, God do so and more to me if I don't have that man's head by tomorrow such and such a time. Well, <clears throat> it seemed like, uh, seemed like that was almost too much for Elijah. And he up and ran. Right after God had done that great miracle, you would think he would face anything. See, we can, see, that's how we are. We can look at others and say, well, you have everything at your fingertips and the power and so forth. But uh, <clears throat> so he ran for his life. So far, none of us pastors here, nobody has told Daniel here or any, any of these other pastors that God do so and more to me, I'm going to have your head. Not sure exactly how we would react to it. We say we have a lot of faith in God, a lot of trust in God. But uh, there's tests. We haven't faced those kind of tests. Anyways, to go on with the story there, so Elijah ran. And he ends up in a cave. And so God does some things. He allows a storm. He allows a number of things. And he asked Elijah, he said, what are you doing here? Well, then <clears throat> it seems like Elijah, in my, in my own words, it, it kind of seems like Elijah was, was really discouraged or maybe burned out. You know, we, we just have that potential. And he vented his frustration and, and his discouragement. And, and he told God something like this. He said, I've been, you know, very zealous for the things of God and for the kingdom of God. And he said what all he did. And he said, I'm the only one that's left anymore. God said, no, Elijah, you're not. He said, there's still 7,000 men that haven't bowed their knees to the idols. <clears throat> We can get those same kind of frustrations and discouragement. And by the way, that's not why I'm asking for a release. So God told him more. He said, you go find Elisha. Go find Elisha. I don't know. Did they know each other? I, I suppose they did. I'm not sure. It doesn't tell us. But as the account goes, I think we know the account, us Bible Christians. So... Elijah goes and he finds Elisha. And he spoke to Elisha. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, it says. And um, Elijah goes by him and he threw his mantle on him. Thought about bringing a mantle along this evening, but, you know, we're pretty formal. We don't do that, but I would have liked to just bring a mantle along and toss it on whoever is ordained, I thought I'd probably just leave that. But in the spiritual sense, you understand where I'm coming from, why this ordination is kind of special. Um, it is special to me because it is also the passing of the mantle. One more thing as we close here. So, 
according to my Bible, the dating here that Elijah lived approximately 10 more years after he cast the mantle um, on Elisha. But uh, as we go to when the final time came, when Elijah, Elijah was taken up, and we know the account there, trust we do, there uh, came a time when they really sensed that Elisha sensed and there was other sons of the prophets too that said, hey, you know what? God's going to take your master home. Elisha said, I know, just hold your peace. But the point I want is Elijah told Elisha, he said, uh, is there anything I can do for you before I, I go? Now, that wasn't the exact word, but he said, he gave Elisha the, uh, the liberty to make a request. Elisha said, yeah. He said, I'd like to have a double portion of your spirit. In my translation, I guess I would probably say, I'd like to be twice as spiritual as you are. So, uh, anyways, my point in that is, I, I think that was a noble desire. Now, Elijah told him, he said, that's a hard request. But I might put the point I want in that, in the final, my final statement here is, I just love to see when the children of God, young people, whoever you are, when they want spiritual growth in their life, when that's, they desire that with all their heart. And I think that's one of the greatest blessings to me personally, and hope to all of us, when we see people, and I'm going to say people that grow spiritual, and I'm going to add to that that grow more spiritual than I am, than we are ourselves. What's a greater blessing when it's our children or, you know, our brethren, that they can attain to greater spiritual depth than we ourselves? I think that's just tremendous. And I remember... This was quite a few years ago when an aged brother made a statement, something to that effect, when he was asked about one of his children, I think, that was going on the mission field. And he made a statement, something like that, that uh, it's just such a blessing if we can see our children and those coming after us. I'm going to say those coming after us. This evening, I'm going to say to all of you young people, you want to bless me, and one of the greatest blessings to me, and whoever's ordained, if you can be twice as spiritual as I am, that would be such a blessing. But it's going to take prayer, and we heard today. Um, we had a wonderful message by Brother Nate Bang in the, um, the morning message here. And uh, so, I would just like to leave that with us. Remember, we are, I trust, we must have the touch of God in our life. The same as this band of men. If we want the blessing from here on out and on this ordination, we must be a band of men whose hearts God had touched. God bless us as we continue in the ordination, as we wait upon him for further revelation. Thank you, brother, for that 
devotional. <coughs> then uh, those thoughts on that passage, I don't know if I ever quite gave that quite that much attention before, so it was good for me to hear. Would to God that we would have his touch in our lives and that that um, I, I was just thinking of the time when Jesus was here. And so often when he healed someone, he would touch them. As believers, as children of God, there's a very real sense in which Jesus has touched us, that we have experienced the touch of God. And so um, may we be among that band of men who is on the Lord's side, Thank you, Brother Leroy. We have come this far by God's direction and by the voice of the church. We're really thankful and grateful for that. Four brothers have been nominated to fill the office of minister of the gospel. And we are thankful for the gifts that God has given the church through these faithful brothers. And we are confident that God has worked for them. But I would also remind you that Jesus saying, Occupy till I come, is not just for the preachers, that's for all of us. But there is a need here for a minister. And we have four nominated, so there is a need for only one to be ordained this evening. And so we will use the tradition dating back to the apostles' time and the tradition that our people have used for centuries of casting lots. And so um, what we will do is we will use, um, I have four identical Bibles and I have a slip of paper and um, I will ask a brother to take out these Bibles and put the slip of paper inside one of them. I will ask another brother, and, and then he'll leave them there, and then I will ask another brother to come and get them and arrange them on the table here, and then one of, then these brothers will be asked to um, pick up a Bible, one of those having the slip of paper, uh, which we will then, the brother with the slip of paper, then we will ordain. So I think it'd be appropriate if we would stand for prayer before we do that. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for having brought us to this place. We thank you for those whose hearts you have touched. Father, we need that touch, not just in the past, we need it continually. And so... Um, we thank you that you have touched in some sense these four brothers and that you will also call one of these four brothers to the work. And so we recognize and we pray with the apostles that you know the hearts of all men and we ask, Father, that you would show which of these that you have chosen. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Ivan Stolzfus, would you take these Bibles out inside the front cover, right inside the front cover of one?
put the slip of paper. There's a closet right here. Right over here. Take it inside there. There's shelves over here on this side. Leave them on the shelf. Brother Dave Peachy, would you uh, want to go get those Bibles and lay them here on this table? Um, rank them out this way, spines to the audience. Four in a row this way, spines to the audience. I don't, I don't like that. There was one that was changed. There was one that wasn't stacked on that stack like all the others. And you want to take them back out. Make sure they're all stacked the same way. So there's foot markers on one side. Stack them all the same way and then leave them there for Brother Jesse, would you want to go out and get the Bibles and lay them here four in a row? Your brothers may pick up a Bible. The lot is cast into the lap and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Brother Ellen, the Lord has called you to the office of the minister of the gospel. Brother Leroy, Brother Arden. Ellen, are you willing to accept the ordination charge and by the grace of God and the aid of the Holy Spirit to give yourself to the work of the church? Do you promise herewith to give heed to all the doctrine of the Word of God, to accept it as the rule and guide for your life, to preach and teach it in its entirety and purity, and to abide in it with unchanging fidelity? Are you willing to assist the present ministry of the Shea Mountain Christian Fellowship in the ministerial duties of the church in accordance with the instruction and teaching of the Word of God and to seek, with, and to, seek to work with your fellow ministers and counsel of the church and all things to show yourself an approved workman in the vineyard of the Lord? Are you willing to submit your ministry and ministerial charge to the counsel of the church and not take only upon yourself the responsibility to continue or discontinue in the ministry. Brother Ellen, the charge that you are given here this evening is given on the premise of your confession, commitment, and promises before God leaves witnesses to the foregoing questions. This charge shall be valid and in effect as long as you are faithful to these and as long as the Lord grants you health and ability. Your first responsibility will be to assist the ministerial duties of the Shea Mountain Christian Fellowship and then to the community and beyond, wherever the church, where the leading of the Lord may send you. Amen. Amen. Brother Ellen, herewith, in the name of Jesus Christ and the church, ordain you to the office of a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I charge you, therefore, to preach the gospel in its purity, to warn the sinner, to admonish the unconverted to repent, teach, instruct, comfort, and encourage the believers to be instant in season 
and out of season, to recruit, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, to do the work of an evangelist, and to make full proof of your ministry. Likewise, give heed to yourself, walk circumspectly, read the word, meditate upon its precious precepts, and pray without ceasing. And in all things, seek to be a faithful labor in the vineyard of the Lord. Continue in these things, for in so doing you shall both save yourself and those that hear you. To this end, may the Almighty God bless you and anoint you with His Spirit, fill you with His love, and use you mightily in the building of His kingdom through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us a brother in this charge, and in this responsibility. We pray that you would enable him by the power of your Spirit and by the unction of the Holy One to fill his role as a minister of that high and holy gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, make him a student of your word. That he would read it, that he would meditate on it, that it would be his very life, his very sustenance. Father, make him strong in the work that you have called him to. And that when he faces opposition, that he can feel underneath him those everlasting arms. That he would find you to be a shield and defender in his high tower. We commit him, we commit his ministry, his service to you. We ask that you would bless it. And that at the end of the course, that he would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father in heaven, as we're here this evening, we thank you, Father, for your revealed will. And I pray for Sarah Lynn this evening. Thank you for her and her commitment to her husband and to the church. And I pray especially for her new college. And uh, Sarah Lynn and her family, just pray you would bless Sarah Lynn with the commitment to her husband and to the work. Father, I just pray you would give her grace. Whatever the, uh, the day brings, whatever the need of the hour, Father, with her husband, support him, uphold him in prayer in any way she might be following him. We give her grace for that. Just bless her in a special way. Help her to see the opportunity that lies before her husband is calling. We give her a special way. Bid her to you. Father in heaven, we pray for Elwin and Sarah Lynn's children, Father. We pray for Patrick this evening, Amber. For Ryan, for Benjamin, for Chad, for Audrey, and Emily, Father, we just commit them to you. Father, bless them in a special way. As their daddy now is ordained a minister, Father, help them to be supportive 
Help them to be obedient. Help them, Father, in the home to be submissive. And to bless their dad. Bless each one of them, Father. Continue to be with them as they grow together. Father, I just pray your special anointing on them. Father, as they face life, being preachers' children, Father, I pray that you would give them grace and strength and see the privilege they have of having their daddy work in the church in your vineyard. Bless each one in a special way. We just commit them to you in the name of Jesus. To the church here at Shade Mountain, receive our brother with joy. Look upon him as chosen of the Lord and appointed for this work. Pray for him and his wife and children and show toward them the full measure of love that the gospel requires. When the word of God is declared, receive it as truth. Seek to obey it. Submit yourself to it. That he, may, that he may serve you with joy. Acknowledge him as laboring among you in the Lord, admonishing you and teaching you in the way of everlasting life. Esteem him highly for his work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. May God bless us and keep us as his own dear church, and finally, bring us all into that eternal habitation through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom be glory and honor and praise forever and ever. Amen. Brother Arlen Kurtz from Pleasant View will be bringing us a sermon. We want to um, give him the preaching of the word, our attention. I greet you in the name of Jesus this evening. This is a blessing for me to be here and experience this with you as a church, as a congregation. And I want to bless you brothers for being willing to let God use you and being open to his will. And Brother Elvin, may God bless you richly. Do you remember how it felt in the world? Can I now go on from here? So many years later, God is faithful. I want to encourage you in that, Brother Elvin. And to the rest of you brothers, there is still a work for you to do. Maybe you feel oh, a relief. But there is still a work for you to do. This is not does not mean that Shade Mountain doesn't need you anymore. Now you can just do what you want. Not at all. There is still much to do. There is still a lot to do. If nothing else, you can pray. Bless Brother Alvin. Encourage him. Be an Aaron and a her for him. Lift up his arms. Help him. Encourage him. This is a special time that you will never forget. Brother Daniel gave me several scriptures, and we want to look into the scripture this evening and I want to encourage each one of us.
as we serve the Lord, whether we are ministers or not, to be faithful. Brother Daniel mentioned the, the verse in Matthew 24. <clears throat> the end of verse 13. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and uh, he was had them privately, it says in verse 3, and they were asking questions, when shall these things be, the end of the world, and so on and so forth. And Jesus take, tells them, take heed. And uh, he wants to speak to us here this evening as his disciples, and we want to take it as from him this evening. And I want this to be an encouragement to each one of us, and especially to Brother Elvin, and Sarah Lynn and your family, may God bless you. The end of verse 13 says, actually I want to, I'll, I'll start reading in verse 5, or verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Why a passage like this at an ordination? I think it is, it is we, we understand that we are living in the last days and we have rumors of wars. We have wars going on and we have things happening here and there and all over the world. But yet at the end of this portion here, this verse, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And that is my encouragement this evening. Enduring. To the end. Enduring steadfast. I have two parts of the message here. I will look, be looking at endurance here in the beginning. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So it tells me here that we must endure to the end to be saved. You know, today people say, you know, I was saved on such and such a day and now I'm happy and praise the Lord and, you know, I, I just go on and live like I want to. But, but yet, when we look into the Word of God and see some of His commands and, and the, way, the way they're living, you know, it's like, really? So what, what do we need? How, why do we need to endure? What's, what's the reason that we need to endure? Isn't the Christian life an easy, joyful life? Yes, it is. It's not maybe not easy, but it's a joyful life. We have peace in our hearts. We have love in our hearts. So what does enduring mean? Well, there are several definitions, and one is persevere or abide, or take patiently, bear up under hardship or persecution, bear up under, is the one I like, kind of, to, to be enduring. Elvin, you will face times when you wonder, why in the world, what am I doing here? God, why have you called me here? But endure. You may face things that are not pleasant at times. Then thinking of steadfast, these words are, very similar. Um, steadfast is not subject to change, firm in belief, and loyal and stable. But I, as I was reading, studying for this message, I noticed the verse before, verse 13. It says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And then he goes right in and says, but he that shall endure unto the end. 
So why is it necessary to endure? Could it be that it is because of the verse before this, the love of many shall wax cold? Iniquity is abounding about us, brothers and sisters. Everyone here this evening, we look around as it's terrible, is it not? And the love of many are, is growing cold. What love to who or what, we may ask? <clears throat> I think that is why we need endurance. We need a love for Jesus that compels us to want to endure, to want to remain faithful. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We had that verse in Mark in our Sunday school lesson today, and the question was asked, how do we do that? How do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind? John 13, verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So this love that is speaking about here, that shall grow cold, is it speaking, of, is it speaking about love between, between believers? Or love between husband and wife? Or what love is it talking about? Well, it seems to me that it's speaking to the love between believers. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. We are his children. We call ourselves Christians. We are following him. But iniquity is abounding about us. And it is easy sometimes to let us to, to drop, to, uh, to get distracted. And our love for Jesus is not what it should be. You know, we had this thing of COVID several years ago. And what did that do to us? It shook us up, didn't it? Shook us up. Hmm, don't have church anymore. That was hard on me not to have church. But I'm hearing that some of some churches are struggling to get back their people because they didn't have church during COVID. Now they don't want to come back. What happened? <clears throat> does church does church regulate the love for Jesus in my heart? Does the church regulate that for me? You know, we don't like it at this church because of the person that's there or the, the minister there, so we'll just, we'll just go to another church. I don't know if you ever, I trust some of us have heard this, the song that asked the question, do you have the first love the Savior gave you when you knelt at the altar that day? Do you feel the same way that you did on that day? Does your zeal keep you pressing toward the goal? And that is my encouragement. Brothers, Elvin, brothers, everyone here, does your zeal keep you pressing toward the goal? Do you have the first love? Do you remember how it felt when you fell on your knees and you asked Jesus to come and forgive your sins? Wasn't that wonderful? That peace and joy. You know, we go on in life, we have cares and things come on and, and iniquity is about us and we kind of sometimes, I, I'm talking to myself, we don't have that love like we should. Jesus' words in Revelation to the church at Ephesus was, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, I think I'll just read those. <clears throat> 
And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee here, brothers and sisters, at Ephesus, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. I see here that it is possible to leave that first love. It says, you have left. So it's up to me. The church doesn't decide if I leave my first love or not. The church doesn't do that for me. I do it myself. <clears throat> Jesus uses the example of the church as his bride. And he is the bridegroom. And I love that picture. Bride and bridegroom, you know. Happily married. Young couples are happily married. And there's nothing that will get between them. They have this love. You know, they're in love. Why is it that so many marriages fail today? Is it not because there's not true love there? Where is that first love that they had at the first meeting or the first sight or whatever you want to say, wherever it was? Where is that first love? You know, we have to work on that in our, in our marriages. I've been married for 20-some years, and, you know, those things come up, and, you know, sometimes we have misunderstandings, and we have to talk it out and work, work together in it. <clears throat> How can we expect to maintain and endure our relationship with Jesus if we do not have a vibrant love for him? Because of this iniquity abounding among us, the church of Jesus Christ is becoming cold against their bridegroom. God help us. If we don't have a vibrant love for our for our wives, our husbands, things get pretty rough. The same way with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> things come into our lives and it hinders our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's a personal relationship, not, not just a church, not just a church relationship. It's a personal thing that need we need to have. There's so many things about us that come into our lives, and I find in my own life that so many times it's my own self, my own pride. That stands in the way and it gets in the way and, you know, well, it just, just rubs me wrong, you know? So how do we keep this vibrant relationship? It takes effort. It takes communication. It takes time. My wife knows what I expect of her. And she knows what I like. And she likes to please me. She knows that I like my coffee, and she knows that I like cream in it, and she makes it just like I like it. <clears throat> Do I know what Jesus likes? Do I know what Jesus wants from me? Or don't I? How do I know? Well, we have the Word of God here. <clears throat> we need to know what he wants of us. 
gave us his word, and we have no reason to not know. He gave us the church. If we don't know, we can ask our brothers and sisters. In the, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Paul speaking to Timothy back in 2 Timothy. Paul, uh, Timothy was a young minister there, and Paul is speaking to him, and he tells him in verse chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, Thou therefore, Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. Thou therefore, Elvin, endure hardness as a good soldier. And you can put your name in there, each one of us here this evening. It doesn't, it's not only speaking to ministers, as I said, it is for all of us. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Then over in chapter 4 here in 2 Timothy, verse 1 through 5, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Verse 3 here says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, so they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Is that the reason that the love is growing cold? Is that a reason that love is growing cold? But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, make full proof of thy ministry. James 5, verse 11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He sees each one of us. He knows what we are facing. But take courage. Don't give up. Endure. Hang on. <coughs> Don't let your love grow cold. Part two of the message, Be Faithful. <clears throat> Revelation 2, verse 10. Again, Jesus' words to another church there. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. But be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Being faithful. That's the second part of my message. Be faithful wherever God has called you. Brothers, you have shared a lot with Brother Elwin, but you need to continue to be faithful. You can't just relax now and go home and say, oh, well, I'm glad it's not me. God has a work for you. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Be faithful. What does that mean? Be trustworthy. Be, the Lord has now given you something that you are responsible to do for him, the work of a minister. Be trustworthy. Be faithful. Be, be loyal. Be loyal. Being faithful, I think, helps us to endure. It helps us to put up with some things that come our way sometimes. Being faithful and having that relationship with Jesus Christ, that first love, that vibrant relationship. You know, faithfulness in our marriages is very important as we face rough waters of life together as husband and wife. The husband needs to be faithful to his wife and the wife to her husband. Same way in our relationship to our Heavenly Father. We are the bride. We are the church. And he has loved us so that he sent his own son to die for us. We need to be faithful. 
I want to look at some examples of faithfulness in the scriptures. They are very familiar characters that we know very well. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3. I'll read several verses here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Speaking of Moses, we all know the story of Moses. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Here it mentions Christ Jesus first. But we want to look at Moses, and then we will think of Christ Jesus. Who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as his servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as his son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. I want this to be an encouragement to each one of us. Amazing testimony of Moses. If you remember Moses back in Exodus 4, God came to him and said, I have these children of Israel and I need somebody to lead them out of Egypt. I want you to go and take them and lead them out, Moses. <clears throat> I think I'll just turn to that to get that right, Exodus 4. You don't have to turn to it. Exodus 4, verse 10. God came to him and said, I, I will show you signs and people will believe you because of what I do, what, how you will be working for me. But then Moses said to God, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Moses said, Lord, I can't speak. And I'm not sure, uh, it may have been another language there that he wasn't so fluent in. And I, well, I don't know, you probably are fluent in Spanish, but I know I'm not very fluent in Russian. But anyway, uh, I'm not sure what Moses, all Moses' uh, issues were that he said, Lord, I can't do this, I can't speak. But the anger of the Lord was kindled against him. But that was the beginning of Moses' work for the Lord. But what a, what a, testimony, what a testimony, testimony we have of Moses later on in the scriptures. Back in Hebrews, we will turn to that in a little bit. But over in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Now that thing of God coming to him and asking him, to do what he wanted him to do, and Moses responding that way didn't, didn't look to me like very, very meek, did it? <clears throat> this is a time when Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, and then verse 3 says that he was the meekest man upon the earth, and then verse 7, my servant, uh, 
it, my servant Moses, oh, then I'll just read from, let's read from three on down. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and, for they, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If, thou, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. But Moses, my servant, is not so, who is faithful in all my house, he was faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Moses' relationship with God. God's relationship with Moses. Look at this. God said he would speak to him clearly. To the other prophets, he would speak to them in visions and dreams, but not to Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, more about Moses. <clears throat> By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured seeing him who is invisible. He saw Jesus Christ. He saw God as his father. And Brother Elvin, may you do that as well. See him who is invisible. Look, fasten your eyes upon Jesus. He has called you. He is faithful. He will help you. <clears throat> now let's think of Jesus Christ. The faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 3, the verse, second verse there, I, which I already read, speaks of Jesus Christ who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in his house. Okay, let's consider Jesus Christ, our high priest here mentions in the first verse. Let's think of Jesus Christ. He was, a, he was appointed to do God's work, and he was faithful. He came down to this earth, and he did what his father, he did his father's will. He said, I came not to do my own will, but my father's will. Verse 6 here, but Christ as his son over his own house, whose house we are. Notice, we are his house. He dwells within us. We are the temple of the living God. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Brothers and sisters, we need that. Hold fast the confidence. That first love that we had, that experience, that, that relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Hold fast unto the end. We don't know when the end will be. It could be any time. Soon. We might not leave here tonight. We don't know. Hold fast that first love. Hold fast that confidence. How do I hold fast to something? How do I hang on to it? What do I do? I, I, I put all my energies into it. You know, if I'm out in the sea and I'm drowning and there's a boat comes along and has a life ring, and I'm drowning and I need help, I cry out and they throw the life ring and I hang on for life. I don't want to die. How do we keep a hold of this faith, this love? Well, I think one reason why it's so easy for us to just, to just let it go, you know, because it was given to us. We, we grew up in Christian homes, most of us, maybe not all of us. And we have been given so much and we take it for granted. We don't realize the value of it. 
You know, we have the saying, you know, if you work for something, you appreciate it more than if, if it's given to you. God, help us. Is that why we lose it? We don't realize the value of it. It's a challenge for myself. How much do we value our faith in God? What do we have in our safe at home? All those guns and the money and silver and gold and whatever. We value that. We put it in the safe. You know, it's, it's fireproof. It won't burn. You know, we see these trucks going to the banks and there's, there's armed men in there. They take these money into the bank. And if you go try to rob them, what will happen? You'll, you'll lose your life, right? They're carrying valuable things. It's, it's precious. They need to protect it. Brothers and sisters, that relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to protect. We need to keep it. Consider the faithfulness of Jesus. As we go from here, brothers and sisters, tonight, hold on to the promises of God. We sing the song, Standing on the Promises of Christ my Lord. There was a brother one time in, in prison said uh, that song. You need to do more than that. You don't just stand on promises. If you stand on them, you'll be blown off. You might be pushed off. You need to hang on to them. Hang on to the promises and just sta- instead of just standing on them. Brother Elvin, hang on to the promises of God. I have called thee by thy name. You are mine, he says to you. This is my encouragement to you, Brother Elvin, and to all of you here this evening. Hang on to the promises of God. Be faithful unto the end. Psalm 101, verse 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. They that dwell with me, he that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He sees us. He loves us. He pursues us. He wants us. He wants us to be his children. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. You know, Jesus didn't have to come to this earth. But he knew his Father's heart. He knew his Father's desire that the Father wanted that relationship with the man that had sinned in the garden. The Father wanted that relationship again. And Jesus knew his Father's heart. He didn't come because he had to, but he gave his life. He said, sure, I'll go, Father, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Faithful, faithful. Jesus came, gave his life for us. As we consider that, should that not put a desire within our hearts to be faithful to whatever he calls us to? Whether it's being a church member, whether it's being a Sunday school teacher, whether it's being janitor, whether it's being sewing committee or food committee or whatever else it may be. You four brethren, only one was ordained here this evening, so now what, right? Be faithful, there's still work for you to do. Just that you weren't ordained. The reason that you were not ordained tonight does not give you any reason to not be faithful. Be faithful. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 through 3, speaking of Jesus. Well, it has, we have the faith chapter before this. We have all the heroes of faith. You know, they gave their life. They, they, Abraham, you know, he, 
he went not knowing where he went. For he had, what did it say? What does it say here about Abraham? I, I just love this. They desired a better country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a place. <clears throat> he had, he saw, he, 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 he saw the invisible. And that is what we need to see, our, 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 our reward, if we are faithful. That is my encouragement this evening to each one of us here. Let's be faithful unto the end. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider him, Jesus Christ. Consider him. He did his Father's will. He came to this earth, even though despite the stripes on his back, the thorns on his head, the clubs on his head, the slaps in his face, the spit in his face, he was still faithful. How could he do that? It says, for the joy that was set before him endured it. Brothers and sisters, there's a joy set before us. There's a reward set before us. Let's keep that in our, in our, in our vision, our, our, our minds. There's a joy that is before us. Let's be faithful. Jesus did it. He wants us to be there as well. John 14 I have gone to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. He wants us there with him. Who for the joy that was set before him. <clears throat> Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Brothers and sisters, we need each other. We need to help each other to endure, to be faithful. We need each other. We can't do it on our own. So are we looking forward to enter, entering into the joy of our Lord? Be, a, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. That's Jesus' promise, God's promise to us. We have never faced anything like Jesus did. Who for the joy that was set before him. Does his faithfulness not inspire us? Yes, the work of the ministry, it is not always pleasant. It is not always easy. But let's be faithful. Striving for that crown. I press toward the mark, Paul says. I press toward the mark of the high calling. <clears throat> One more verse in closing. <clears throat> We're in First uh, Timothy again. Sorry, First Timothy. Yes. <clears throat> Brothers, sisters, each one of us here this evening, and Brother Elvin, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. 
and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses, lay hold on eternal life. You are called to eternal life. God has called each one of us to eternal life. Let's lay hold of it. Let's look forward to it. Let's, for the joy that's set before us, be faithful. May God bless you as a congregation. Accept Brother Elvin as a gift from God. Support him. Be with him. Help him. Let's kneel for prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the church. We thank you that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light and you want us to follow you. You've given us direction to follow you. Thank you that you've loved us so much. Father, help us to hang on to that love. Forgive us where we have failed. And not being faithful to you as you have called us. Help us, Father. Give us strength. Bless the congregation here. Bless the ministry. Bless Brother Elvin as he blends in with the ministry and takes his part. Bless each one in the church. And whatever they do here, continue to be with them and give them grace and strength. Father, our desire is to be to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yet without you, we cannot be faithful. So we ask that you would help us. Give us grace. Give us strength as we walk together in the church. Help us to exhort one another daily and encourage one another and help each other on this journey. Commit each one to you. Bless Daniel as he leads out here. Continue to bless your work. We thank you that you have promised the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And for the work that you've done here this evening, we thank and bless you and praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was certainly some good preaching, some good encouragement, good admonition for us to consider. Thank you, Brother Arlen. To be faithful as Jesus was. If it wouldn't have been that Jesus was faithful, that he accomplished what God wanted him to do, that he stayed true to his task to the end, we wouldn't have anything to live for. We wouldn't have any hope. And he invites us to identify with him as we are his followers to be faithful. Thank you for that reminder. I would like to ask Brother Jonas for a few words. Brother Jonas was a minister here for many years until just recently moved uh, to another state. I'm going to ask him for a few words and then... Oh, let me think. Who else should I ask? How about uh, Kenley and Nathan? That's the home ministers. I'll ask them for a few words, just a brief word of encouragement or testimony, whatever you have. Uh, Brother Jonas. There he is. Uh, come on up. It has been good to be here and witness this ordination this evening. You know, ordinations are, are one of the building blocks for the local congregation. Lord bless you, Elvin, in your responsibility. Now, I, I think probably your primary responsibility is to feed the flock, as he says in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. And I would like to just encourage you especially, in every flock there's lambs. Don't forget the lambs when you get the feed ready for the flock. 
And then for you other brothers, the Lord bless you too for being willing to be part of this experience. And in gone by years, I always thought that uh, the ones that were not chosen at that time kind of left the uh, service with a sigh of relief. But I found out recently that it's not always that way, that there are some that really struggle with not being chosen. So you, if that's your experience, uh, you might need to get somebody to help you work through that, but you want to work through that. It's not necessarily wrong, probably, but it uh, you want to work through that. And also, uh, this evening, the ordination has to do with what Brother Leroy referred to as the passing of the mantle. And uh, so Brother Leroy is uh, expecting to now uh, step back from this responsibility and let Elvin pick up on it. And I'd like to just give a little bit of recognition to uh, Leroy's work here in the pastoral responsibilities. It started back, and I don't know how many of you remember this, but it was kind of a crucial time for our congregation here, and it started back in April of 2008. And I don't know if you still remember that or not, but we had come to the church and asked if they would be okay with Leroy, who had just moved into the community a few years before, and having served as pastor in Kentucky, we asked if we if it would be okay if we would include him in the pastoral team. And we got really good support for that. And it has been a real blessing to the congregation here. And I'd just like to say the Lord bless you. Brother Leroy, for that. Well, I'm happy to have a chance to testify here at the end of the meeting this evening. I want to bless God for what happened at I uh, find ordinations to be exciting. It seems we talk about being builders of Christ's church along with him, and I'm sure we did that this evening, but the idea that the gates of hell took a pounding this evening is just exciting to me. Uh, we've not only advanced one kingdom, but we've damaged another. Um, I was also struck by Leroy's devotional and the idea that even back in the days of uh, Samuel and Saul, God gave his people a way to know for certain his will. And he accomplished his will, and they carried on. Um, and we're doing that again here tonight. I'm just thankful that we know we have a confidence, an utter certainty. Uh, I have that confidence that what's happened here tonight was God's will. Uh, I want to just bless you, Elvin, and uh, remind you that... Uh, Feeding the flock is one of the responsibilities of the ministry, but also equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I'm encouraged by the idea that the work is not all ours, but uh, we are equipping the saints. And um, God bless you as you do that. been really good to be here this evening. Thank you all for coming and supporting us in this uh, ordination. And uh, it's just a joy to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ moving forward, as has already been mentioned several times. want to wish each of you um, the Lord's blessings who were in the willing to be a part of this process and the lot. 
Um, it's a real blessing to have men who are willing to do that, and God bless each of you. And to you, Alvin and Sarah Lynn and your family. You know, this it looks big tonight. I was I was there. But it will become the new normal pretty fast. And uh, there's a lot of blessings, too, that go with this work. So God bless you, and I'm sure that as you put your heart into it, you will find those blessings and be rewarded. Thank you, brothers, for that encouragement, those additional thoughts. Um, I would like to, uh, a little bit, I had, guess I had a little bit in mind what Jonas did. Um, I was in Abner's and Steve's and Jared's shoes already. And you wonder what that was all about after this whole thing settles down and life goes on to normal again. Like, huh, what was that about? Well, I don't know. Um, but I, 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 I am convinced that God can work in times like that. Um, I hope that you have sought the Lord in a, perhaps in a more intense way than you did maybe for a while. Um, so there's a lesson in that. There's lots of lessons. God moves in mysterious ways. And um, trust that you can find rest and uh, peace in not being a pastor, even though you had resigned yourself to that possibility. Thanks for your willingness. Thanks for participating in the ordination in this way. I want to thank each of you for coming. God bless you for showing your interest in what happens here at Shade Mountain. People come from different places around. God bless you for that. Um, there's lunches provided for you. If, if you want to get a lunch, if you're hungry because you had to um, miss supper or something, or you, you think that um, you might get hungry between now and the time you get home, we don't want that to happen. So... Um, there's lunches provided for, for you, bag lunches, if you want to, uh, to grab one to go in the gym next door. So please help yourself to that. I think there's plenty. So um, I don't remember exactly how many that we're going to make, but I think that we're going to make plenty if I know the food committee right. Uh, so help yourself to that. After dismissal, um, we're going to um, move these chairs aside. And we're going to have to get you folks that are sitting here maybe to move aside a little bit. What we want to do is form a receiving line of, of uh, the ones who were in the lot and uh, well, all the ones who were in the lot to form a receiving line along here. Those of you who wish to um, can come, I would encourage you to, um, uh, for the flow of traffic, uh, for the sake of order, come down the middle and come down this side and then go back through on that side and out the back. All right, so we'll have the traffic go through this way. All right, and you can wish them God's blessing and um, whatever you want to say to them. Keep the line moving. If everybody go, if everybody's here and spends a minute, we'll be here for a good long while. So keep keep it going. Um, I laid Brother Elvin's uh, Bible up here. I would encourage you as pastors 
who are visitor, visiting here to um, perhaps sign your name and a note of encouragement um, inside the front cover somewhere. Um, if there's those of church people or family who want to do the same, uh, you're welcome to do that. Again, thank you for coming. Wish you all God's blessing and continue to keep us in your prayers. And uh, the church, wherever you're from, support it. God's work is not here. It's, or I should say, it's not only here. It's all over the place. So wherever you're from, put your shoulder to the wheel and minister to the needs around you as God would have you. All right, let's stand for prayer. <clears throat>